Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everybody i am raymond summerlin your host for this edition of the road world football podcast just like every single thursday i'm here i'm here with rich rebar we're going to actually talk about something new today we're going to do a little bit of a, a dfs preview so so look forward to that but we're definitely going to talk about the thursday night game like we have done in the past we're most importantly going to talk about his worksheet column which as i say every single week you should go and read. And then after that, I'll be joined by Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week three of the fantasy football season. So make sure you stick around for that. Before all of that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings. And we very, very much appreciate those of you who have already reviewed it. So thank you very much. With that out of the way, let's let's get to it. What's going on, Rich? Right, man. Here we are. You know, it's starting to pick up steam on the season, and you know, just that we picked up where we left off last week. I mean, what a what a week two, you know, for the passing games. It's it's starting to be a trend. You know, now we've got league wide NFL history marks set through two weeks and touchdown passes, called passes completed, completion percentage, passer rating. That big passing bounce back has you know hit in full force early this season. Yeah, and it, you know, it's crazy. It would have happened in either way, right? It, you mm-hmm. would have expected it to happen, and now the rules are just so much with with the new with the new helmet rules. Which I'm not saying I'm not saying a bad thing or any any stretch of the imagination. But with those new rules, we should have expected this scoring to even be higher. And maybe defenders figure it out as the year goes on. Maybe this doesn't continue all season. But it really seems like those rules have given have given offenses a massive advantage here early in the season, and especially quarterbacks. I mean. What what was the highest? I think I saw someone tweet out that last weekend quarterbacks together in the NFL, all the quarterbacks together had the highest passer rating in a week, like in NFL history, which is just yep. crazy to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you couple that with just, you know, we've started to see the running back injury start to mount now. We have, you know, we'll, we'll talk about one of the guys that, that is going to be, you know, picking up here for a few weeks and, and the ineffectiveness of some of the players that were drafted high and just, it's just, yeah, everything is just geared towards the pass game. And like you said, we would have gotten there anyways with the kind of recoil the pass game had last year. It wasn't just the the tip of an, uh, hitting an iceberg, you know, and, and starting to reverse a trend. It was basically like a 2015 running back type of fall off for quarterbacks. And 
and wide receivers last year, and there was always going to be recoil. Now you've just doubled down on that and, you know, added some of these rules to favor and, you know, kind of coax some more production out of these players. And it's just really hitting full force this year. The, the scores through two weeks have been just, just bonkers. I mean, when you look at a guy like last week, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he doubles down and throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and isn't even a top five quarterback. Yeah, it, it's, it's nuts. And with all of that said, though, we have to watch the Jets and Browns on Thursday night. Oh, so, true. so maybe, so maybe this trend will not continue on Thursday night. That game has a thirty-nine and a half point total, and I mean, if we're talking about Thursday night football, nothing screams Thursday night football like a thirty-nine and a half point total <laughs> in a game. The Browns are three-point home favorites, and like you said, this this has been such an offense-driven kind of kind of start to the season. Quarterbacks playing really well. That hasn't exactly been the case for Tyrod Taylor at this point, right? No, and Tyrod's kind of one of those guys that's really weird because he never quite, like, he doesn't really play well enough to make you lock him in a starter than think that he's a guy you want to move forward as a franchise. But he also doesn't play, like, so bad enough to where, like, he's going to run himself out of the job either. And so the Browns are kind of stuck in, like, this purgatory mode because he hasn't played well these these first two games at all. But he also hasn't killed them. You know, they've kind of been in both games, kind of the takeaway for Tyrod Taylor, especially here where I am, you know, around local radio and local media. is like, well, they were in position to win both games, you know. But if you don't have Tyrod and, and the way he's played, maybe you're over that hump if they already have turned to a guy like Baker. Or Mayfield you know it's you you have a team that the Browns they lead the NFL in turnovers they have eight takeaways the first two games and haven't even come they haven't won either game you know that's pretty pretty unheard of you know to not be able to close the door you know it's not just the kicker's fault you know if the if the quarterback plays better in either of those games you know they might not be in a position to rely on end of game kicks you know so yeah Tyrod's a guy that definitely is someone that hasn't played well for fantasy at a big week one. He has some familiarity, you know, against the Jets from his time spent in Buffalo and that scheme. I mean, he's been a QB one in four consecutive games against the Jets, and his legs are always a factor. Turns out that Jarvis Landry's kind of dealing with something throughout the week. He's been limited in practice. You know, who knew that was that karma wasn't going to instantly come back to get him after he <laughs> just did a, a giant rant on guys playing through injury. You know, talk about, you know, that – that was instant, you know, so here we go with that. And he had a great matchup, Jarvis Landry. Buster Screen has really struggled to start the year. He's allowed 9 to 12 passes to be complete in his coverage for 119 yards and a touchdown. He got roasted by Albert Wilson on a touchdown. And they've got good boundary corners, like Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne are, like, solid players. Like, they're not elite corners, but they're really good bound. They're good boundary corners, above-average players. So it was set up well for Landry to get fed targets in a plus matchup. So it's going to be interesting to see how – how much percent wise he's good to go on a short week. But yeah, it's one of those things The the Browns, I think is interesting. Cause I mean, you said it's got this low total, but you know, they were notorious under Hugh Jackson. They'd only covered seven times the first two years, but they've, they haven't won these games. They've come out two and zero versus spread. Yeah. So I guess that's an improvement. Um, <laughs> the fact that they continue to vastly underachieve is not like you mentioned it there with a, t- a p- team with the takeaways they've had in the first two games should be two and oh this team should be two and oh when everybody talked about them going over their total the total was five and a half they go well look how much more talent they've had here's a dirty little secret john dorsey lied to you they've had talent the last two years they have dramatically underachieved the last two years they didn't change their coach they're underachieving again it's not that surprising this is kind of what happens i will say I, I do think that there's a good chance they win this game, which mm-hmm. could set up which could set up very well for Carlos Hyde, who has been treated almost like a, a workhorse. Well, like the workhorse, and we've seen Duke Johnson basically disappear. And if you want to look for well, 
well, what what more can Hyde provide for this team? I mean, it's not a good matchup, but the Browns have been have not really done anything in the red zone. We would expect Hyde to get those carries. If that kind of bounces back a little bit, maybe he's there. Another guy I want to highlight is David Njoku, who I think people are getting scared of and getting away from. For obvious reasons, he hasn't been very good the first two weeks. But the thing you care about with a guy of his talent level, especially at a position like tight end where there's just nobody, is you care about opportunities. And the opportunities have been there for him. And if that continues, especially if we can get Baker Mayfield in there, please let's get Baker Mayfield in there. If those opportunities continue, he's going to he's going to have a blow-up game. It could be this week. And if I was playing in those Thursday only, those kind of showdown formats, I'm going to make sure I have him in, in one of my spots because I think – People, people might end up overlooking him. Yeah, I like that. You just, especially in a position like tight end, you know, I had a lot of questions last week, even after one week, on guys to play Kelsey and Evan Ingram. People that were drafted these guys with high draft stack were looking to sit these guys, like George Kittle types. And, I, you know, I, I like George Kittle plenty last week, too. That's, it's, and, I, and I'm still into him now, but tight ends are, are just a, it's going to be a volatile position. It's just the way it is. There's only a, one Zach Hurts and one, one Gronk and, you know, one Kelsey. The rest yeah. of these guys are going to have a lot of just, you know, cattywampus weeks. So you just want to follow the talent and the talent is getting the volume. And then Joku's at seven targets each game. I, I definitely, I love that call. Um, and otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's just business as usual. I think the other two guys to look at in this game for, you know, to have positive games, probably obviously the one is still Quincy and Nunwa. You know, yep. he's had double digit targets in both both of the games still. And I think Bilal Powell is the guy to circle from the Jets backfield this week, not just chasing the points, but, you know, the Browns have had a good defensive front dating back to last year. You know, they were really good against the run last year. Just no one really noticed because they were so bad. Uh, and they got crammed, you know, with rushing value last year because they were so bad. But, you know, they're they're out of the blocks again, only allowing 3.7 yards per carry to backs. Uh, Bilal Powell is out targeted Crowell 8-3 to three through two weeks. And the Browns allowed 50 receiving yards to two different backs through two games. So I think he's the guy to circle in this one for your flex jet spot. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I, we have to talk about Robbie Anderson. I, I We were... I think I was excited about him. I think you were excited about him coming into the year as well, if I remember correctly. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But to see what his target share has been, 9.7 target share through two weeks, he did see more work in week two. But I think we talked about it on this podcast. I believe Nick and I talked about it. He just might not be a fit for what they're trying to do right now with Darnold. And perhaps that changes. Perhaps Darnold becomes kind of more aggressive. You know, he's played pretty well. We still haven't seen the the fantasy reward there, but he has played pretty well. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I am. I, mm-hmm. you have to stay away from Robbie Anderson at this point from a betting perspective. You kind of, you kind of hinted at it, how better the much better the Browns have been against the spread. They've been in the past. I'll tell you that this is a classic stay away game for me. I am not betting on Hugh Jackson as a favorite. There's no way that that is happening. And, and, you know, I, I'm not certainly not going to bet on the jets in the road. The totals 39 and a half. I, I'm not interested in trying to take the under on that, but I don't want to bet the over with these two teams. Yeah, this is, this is stay away city for me. Yeah. Same echo everything you said. All right. So moving on, we're going to try a, a new segment this week where we, we take a look at our DFS toolkit, which is a, was an exciting new thing we have over at rotorworld.com. If you haven't checked it out, uh, go over to rotorworld.com. You can see it there on the on the right side of the page. Uh, it gives you projections for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo, including point per dollar value. And you could customize those projections based on 
what you want the system to weight most. So you can go in there and kind of say, I want you to look at this instead of this and this instead of this. So that's really interesting. And we have a lineup optimizer, which is, which is great. I've used it the first two weeks. It's helped me out the first two weeks. I really like that tool. So that's over there. So go to rotorworld.com and check that out. But what we want to talk about every week on this show is highlight two or three of the best value plays that the, the system spits out. And this week, those value plays are Philip Lindsay over at DraftKings and Antonio Brown over at FanDuel. Antonio Brown's value is obvious. So I, I think that maybe we, we, we'll talk a little bit about him later. But Philip Lindsay is really interesting. So, so why is he maybe such an interesting option this week, Rich? Yeah, I mean, part of the projections, too, are built off of what he's done the first two games, which have been tremendously positive. I mean, you, he's the first Broncos player to have over 100 yards of scrimmage in his first three games ever. He's the first undrafted NFL player to do the same. Uh, he led the backfield with 28 snaps played last week. You know, he played 28 snaps compared to 22 for Booker and 16 for Freeman. He's also been really good at his touches. He's got 15 carries of five or more yards. That's second in the NFL through two weeks. I think the one hangup I have from a DFS stance, I think he's he's a solid flex play, but is a lot of people don't realize this isn't a two-horse backfield, so it's still yep. a three, and it's kind of, kind of gone under the radar because Devontae Booker is not getting a ton of touches. But Devontae Booker is playing like all the passing snaps. He's he's played just 41 snaps through two games, but 29 of those he's run a pass route on. Philip Lindsay, as his archetype would suggest that he'd be more of like an ancillary satellite type back, but he's only run 18 pass routes so far uh, through two games. He only has three catches. So, I mean, I would like a lot more, you know, pass game involvement, you know, for like a for a higher floor and you know from from a guy like philip Lindsay to, to, to be really excited to play him in dfs i would be fine flexing him and using him still in my redraft leagues um but a lot of people don't realize that booker is still you know we kind of need booker to get out of the way still and he hasn't but Lindsay has definitely you know from how he played week one uh elevated snaps in week two it's all positive trends that he's going to continue to get more work in this backfield and you know listen i was a guy who who liked royce freeman and it's it's looking real dark because this splits uh, in the first and second half of games. Like he's going to need game script in his favor and goal line carries to be a viable fantasy option. And, you know, I, even for someone that liked him, I was really cautious when he got up to that fourth round cost at the end of the summer. Um, but yeah, Philip Lindsay is, is surging here to start the season. And, and what I'll say about that. And I, I think the points you may raise about Booker are, are completely true. Obviously I'm never going to say anything bad about Devonte Booker. <laughs> so we can, we can leave that aside, but in that script that they had last week, which was probably about as negative as it's going to be this week. We'll see what happens, obviously. Lindsay still played more snaps than Booker. I believe Lindsay has more targets on the season than Devontae Booker does. It's off the top of my head. So I, I think that while what you're saying is certainly true and it's certainly a valid concern, I would still bet that Philip Lindsay leads the backfield in snaps this week if it does kind of go the way that Vegas predicts with them as, as a large road underdog. So, so yeah, I think that you maybe temper expectations, but there is, there's some value there. The other concern you would have with him from a DFS perspective is coming off of these two surprise weeks. I think that he's one of those names that as people go down and try to make a lineup real quick, they go, Oh yeah, Philip mm-hmm. Lindsay. And they just pop him in. So that's, mm-hmm. that's something to worry about. That might not be the case for Antonio Brown. And and like we said, like I said at the top, you don't have to make an argument for Antonio Brown's you know value. He's, he's, the best receiver in the league in a game with a 53 and a half point total, but this could be something of a low ownership week. He is on the, he's not on the main slate because it's Monday night, but on those Thursday to Monday slates, we'll, 
will people play him as much, especially he's all the way on Monday night. Uh, they have all the drama that's going on this week, his calf injury. He's yet to have a blow up game. He's not even the highest price wide receiver right now. That is Michael Thomas. He's a hundred dollars cheaper, at least on FanDuel than he was last week. There's a lot of things saying that this could this could certainly be the week to play him. And I, I think that you might even get a little bit of depressed ownership. Not in the primetime slate, not if you play those showdowns, most likely. But I think if you're playing that Thursday to Monday slate, that that's a little bit of an interesting play for him. Yeah, I wanna I wanna I always play a lot heavier cash games on Thursday through Monday. So I'm really excited about this spot for Antonio Brown <laughs> this week and his potential ownership. And uh, you know, last year he was in another spot on a Thursday night game and he had lower ownership than he was supposed to get against the titans where he had like three like down games in a row and you know he he was owned a lot because of that thursday night because they played on thursday night but it was way lower than it should have been he smashed you know he kind of had a riff with the staff last year when they played baltimore in this season and the next week he came out and had 10 for 157 against the jaguars (laughs) you know uh you know i mean he still leads the nfl in targets you know i mean it's it, it says something to the level of what you've given fantasy owners over the past five years when you can have a nine catch game just be a complete disappointment (laughs) like just everyone is just sad even you even where you're even where you're angry that you had nine catches and 17 targets uh um you know so yeah it's a smash spot for him uh we're going to talk about his his cohort you know in a little bit it's this complete smash spot for anything around i want to i want to have a lot of exposure to him in those thursday through monday slate yeah i agree completely and you mentioned it so let's get on to it uh like i said every week you need to read the worksheet the worksheet is should be something you read every week it makes you smarter it makes you a better player i read it every single wednesday morning and i take down notes in my spreadsheet and i probably regurgitate those notes shamelessly on various other radio things so there you go thank you rich so you need to make sure you go and read the worksheet. And we're going to start with the the player you referenced, Juju Smith-Schuster. We said Antonio Brown has been a disappointment for Antonio Brown, but that's certainly not been the case for Smith-Schuster this year, right? Yeah, and, and uh, just to, to say, I, I tried a new format this week with the worksheet. So give me some feedback on Twitter and see if uh, I enhanced things or made things way worse. Uh, I, but, I, know, I have to say I liked it. I have to say that oh, I enjoyed excellent. it. Excellent. I like to I like to hear that. So I mean, you know, getting into it in in Juju Smith Schuster, uh, you know, he had 13 catches, 121 yards last week. That's now the third straight game he's had 100 yards dating back to last year. That's the third. Uh, that's the longest streak ongoing in the league. Um, but it was also of note his 16th career game played in the regular season, and that moved him up a very precocious list. Juju is now moving to second place all time in receiving yardage before turning 22 years old, trailing only Randy Moss. There's a 157 yard difference there. The interesting thing about it is Juju has, he gets to play eight more games before he even turns 22 years old. You know, he doesn't turn 22 until November 22nd, that Thanksgiving week. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have, have really taken into account just how precocious his production has been. You know, obviously we have some new rules in the era change. I'm not trying to compare him to Randy Moss, but what he's done at the age he is done at the age he is, is, is completely, you know, really dynamic. And, you know, this Monday he just goes, so we talk about the, it's a smash spot. The Buccaneers have allowed 78.3% of targets to be completed to, to wide receivers. That's the highest rate in the NFL through two weeks. Guess who's targeted their wide receivers the most in the league? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They've got 73, 73%, 73 of their targets have gone to wide receivers most in the league. It's just a complete, you know, just destruction spot for, for this uh, team. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the Steelers on the road. 
and their splits. But, you know, if you look at the Steelers' road splits, they're actually pretty good outside of that 1 o'clock window on the road. They're fine. It's something about just like those early road starts that get them because they've actually they've won their awesome in primetime. They've won 10 straight primetime games. Uh, that's the longest streak in the NFL, and five of those have come on the road. Uh, and Ben has actually been a QB one in all five of those games on the road. So I mean, this is it's a spot where that that point total we're looking to hit it because the Steelers themselves have have a pretty poor defense. And talking about that point total, we have to go to the other side of that game as well. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has probably been the biggest story so far, but closely behind him is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right there with him is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I mean, what do we do with him in this spot? Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick, we just got to, we don't get a chance to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot on these types of shows. So, you know, we got to give him a little hat nod. His 72.3, you know, regular standard fantasy points, they're the most for any quarterback through two weeks in NFL history. And it would have been Patrick Mahomes. You know, both both of those guys beat 2013 Peyton Manning. You know, he went on to have a pretty good rest of the season after those two weeks, 2013 Peyton I Manning. heard of that guy. Yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, the most points ever through two weeks. I mean, he's the ninth quarterback ever to now have 400 passing yards in back-to-back games. He's the first to do it since Philip Rivers in 2013. He's done it in just a really crazy fashion. I mean, he's got four touchdown passes of 50 or more passing yards uh, through two games. He's had He had four 50-plus yard touchdowns through his previous 50 games played. Uh, pr- pretty just wild stuff. Now we know that those 400 yard games, those 50 yard touchdowns are inevitably going to, you know, the well's going to run dry on those. It's just the way the, this stuff works, but there's still a lot to like here for, for a starting caliber week and to stay with them as um, a, a starter in fantasy purposes and not just feel like you're getting caught up into the whirlwind because there's no denying his pass catching talent is, is among the, amongst the league's best. And the Steelers have just been a steadily poor defense now dating back to the way they closed 2017. Now going back to the past seven games, including the playoffs, since they lost Ryan Chazier, this is a team that's allowed 29 points per game, plus 11.2 from that time when they had Chazier, and 362 total yards per game, which is plus 67 yards per game. And, you know, when you tie into what Jameis Winston did to close last season, I mean, this was... This is something that can continue from a volume and talent standpoint from surrounding talent, raw yardage, uh, you know, type of production for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And to that point, I'm not saying that I saw this coming. I certainly did not see this coming, but we might, we maybe should have seen it coming because looking at what Jameis Winston was able to do when he was healthy last season, if you take out the two games he didn't finish, he was the quarterback seven in points per game because mostly because of that, those passing game weapons around him of Mike Evans, of an even older Chris Godwin, of a better Deshaun Jackson now, of OJ Howard. Like there are so many weapons in that offense. The running game is just not working with Peyton Barber. All of that puts together. I, I think that I think this is something Fitzpatrick's going to continue. And it's going to be interesting. I imagine Fitzpatrick starts week four just because it's a short week. Mm-hmm. They've kind of they've hesitated to to say anything about Winston. It'll be interesting to see what happens after their bye. Their buys in week five. What coming out of the bye? If Fitzpatrick keeps doing this, if he has another three hundred and three against the Steelers, and then next week he's able to put together a two game, a good game. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and not to get narrative driven because we tend to not do that uh, here. But I mean, when you see that stuff after the game and that post game press conference, and you've got him wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothes, and you've got Deshaun Jackson out there shirtless, um, and then Deshaun Jackson won a show and and supported him continuing to be the starter. I mean. 
that type of, of play and attitude is infectious. And Jameis Winston was a guy who had it won his over his teammates. We all remember the pregame eat a W thing. Um, <laughs> you know, that he, he's a guy that, you know, you know, when you have, if you play sports and all of us have, have played at least sports on some competitive level, we're not playing at the highest levels, but when you have, uh, an infectious, you know, contagious type of, uh, you know, aura going through the team. I mean, it's it, it's going to be hard for Winston to win back that locker room or for them just to shelve Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Oh, then, but then again, he could always just Fitzpatrick it up yeah, and have like a three interception game. And so we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati backfield. You referenced it earlier. One of the one of the real only injuries of last week, I guess, you know, Greg Zerline and LaShawn McCoy, but one of the the major in injury last week was Joe Mixon was able to finish that game, but then he had to have a knee scope. It looks like he's going to be out at, at least a couple weeks, if not more. In steps Giovanni Bernard, who has been a workhorse filling in for Joe Mixon. Do you see any reason for that to change? No, no, no. When you look at the depth behind him, they actually just cut Trey Carson today, who was supposedly supposed to be the next man up, and they brought in Thomas Rawls. So who knows if Mark Walton's going to get some burn. It's basically going to be a lot of Geo, though. You know, Geo's kind of slipped into a satellite archetype back kind of for his career, you know, how, how his usage has been outside of, you know, the, that stretch of mixing. But people forget that, you know, he was a guy that had three straight thousand yards for scrimmage seasons to start his career too with 1200 yards for scrimmage or more he has do it all qualities and like you said we saw in four games last year that either mix and mix mix and miss that's tough mix and miss is a tough double down uh you know missed out and <laughs> see I, I can't still, still do it you know i mean when when mixon was just out or played 17 just skip you it just, you know uh fewer fewer snaps from weeks 13 to 16 last year he averaged 19.8 touches 109 yards from scrimmage per game he was the rb25 the rb14 the rb19 and the rb3 over those games um, he was just a locked in set and forget rb2 with him sidelined last season that was on a team circling the drain uh, you know, and the, the the Bengals was a team we were projecting to have, you know, increased output uh, offensively this year, and they've done that so far to start the year. And, you know, he does go on the road against a Panthers team that, you know, is, isn't is an ideal, like, paper matchup. You aren't circling guys that just continuously play on, against the Panthers. But they've been hardly dominant to start defending the run in the beginning of the season. They're 30th in yards per carry to opposing backfields through two weeks. Both teams have kind of run on them a little bit. So, I mean, I expect Gio with his receiving background as well to just slide right into a high PPR, you know, RB2 and possibly, you know, probably be have the upside for more. Yeah, I'm, I'm a thousand percent on that. And, and like I said in the waiver column, I mean, they say two to four weeks. Like, we'll see how long this lasts. We saw what happened to Sony Michelle, how mm-hmm. long Sony Michelle took Sony Michelle to get back. I, I, Giovanni Bernard could be here for a little while, and, and certainly this week we're interested in him. Finally, we're going to end for some reason. This is what you wanted to end with. We're going to end with the absolute worst offense in the league, who for some reason you want to talk about. So, what, who, why do you want to talk about the Cardinals? <laughs> well, really, it's just one of those things where we just want to just bring up some notes and how we just, like I said, with even when we bring up Ryan Fitzpatrick or even Juju, like guys, people know to play Juju, but some of these, some of these notes are just fun to touch on, you know, some just things you can talk about to your, to whoever you're watching the games with on Sunday and just bring up, because this is arguably one of the worst offenses in NFL history to start the year. Their six points scored are the fewest through two games since 2006 when the Buccaneers just had three points through two games. That is an offense that went on to be dreadful 
uh, throughout the season. They ended up scoring just 20 total touchdowns on the season. The Cardinals have scored a touchdown on one of 19 possessions to begin the season. Obviously, that's the lowest rate in the league. Just five of those possessions have crossed midfield. Think about that. I mean, Bradford is, Bradford is averaging the fewest passing yards per drive of all quarterbacks. Arizona is averaging the fewest yards for skill players per drive. It is just one of the worst offenses we've, we've ever seen to start a season. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve Wilkes has got his work cut out for him, and it's going to be really interesting to see if what this leads to for one, David Johnson, who was a top five draft pick, because when you look at his usage, he's run just 38 pass routes through two weeks. It's 19th of all running backs in 2016. When we last saw the field, he was running 32 pass routes per game. He also hasn't been good himself, you know, the type of, with the carries he's gotten. It's, it's only been two games. But this is setting up to have a very eerie, similarly feel to 2016 Todd Gurley. Yeah, it's it's a massive concern. You obviously have to knock David Johnson down uh, quite a bit based on based on I guess what we expected him to be. There are some promising signs. They said they're going to use him more as a real receiver instead of just kind of dumping it off to him mm-hmm. out of the backfield. We'll see if that happens. Um, but this offense is just a train wreck. The, Larry Fitzgerald is the only player on this offense to average more than 6.2 yards per reception so far this year. And his is like 10.4. It is an (laughs) absolute disaster. I have no idea why Sam Bradford is still at quarterback. They have to get him out of there. But if you're saying, all right, what's the good sign? The first is that Larry Fitzgerald is still there. He was able to produce in week one. He made some plays in week two before he left with an injury. I think that Larry Fitzgerald is not going to be what, what he had been the past several years, but I think he's going to be kind of fine in that 36 range, just based simply on target mm-hmm. share. And the other good thing you say is they do have an option here to maybe improve the offense with Josh Rosen. There is an opportunity here that they'd be able to improve it. So you look at those things and you, and you just hope, all right, maybe, maybe something good comes out of it. Yeah. That's what every, listen, because that's what everyone is, is hoping for now. Alex. It's only been two games. We don't want to jump off the rails, but yeah. Oh we're no, looking we're for... jumping off the Sam Bradford rails. No, no, no. Well, we were never on. I don't think we were on them this year, but I mean, listen, at 20 million, it bought you two weeks of the worst offense potentially in NFL history. No, no, we are done. We are off. It is time. It is time to put Sam Bradford out to, out to pasture. We are done with, done with this. Bring Josh Rosen in, start Josh Rosen. Play also play Baker Mayfield. That's a, those are the last two things I'll say. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember you can read the worksheet rotorworld.com you can find rich on twitter at lord reebs and i will be back with nick minzio in just a second listen up fantasy football fans you need to try out draft it's weekly fantasy football but with no salary caps on draft you play in live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league It's a draft that lasts for just one week. There's no roster management. You set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's absolutely it. Drafts start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. And the best part? You're playing for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft out there for everyone. Come and join me on Draft today. You can download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or you can play on Draft.com, whatever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code ROTOWORLD. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using our promo code ROTOWORLD on your first deposit. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com to get started. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and Sidem. 
every week over at rotorworld.com. So uh, make sure you go over and read that. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Living the dream, my friend. Not living as much of a dream as you because you're going to be uh, be in Iceland (laughs) next week. But living a a pretty good dream. Yeah, about to hop on this flight here later tonight. So (laughs) heading heading out of the country the first time in my life. A little scared. First time in your life, really? Yeah, just got my passport this year, man. Decided it was time to time to take the plunge, you know, go see some of this some of this beautiful world. Well, I am very jealous. I'm extremely jealous of you, not least of which that you're getting to take a vacation during the season. But that's neither here nor there. So let's let's talk about your starts and sits. And we have to start with George Kittle, who disappointed last week in what looked like a smash spot. I think everybody was on George Kittle, but you're not jumping off the bandwagon. Why? No, just going back, looking at the tape, I mean, uh, two catches, 22 yards, definitely definitely a box score bust for week two, but he drew a defensive holding in the end zone on one of his targets, set up a field goal, uh, Garoppolo threw way over his head on a first and 10 over the middle with nothing but green grass ahead of him, easily could have been could have been a big game there uh drew a pass interference in the second quarter on another target uh drew another penalty later in the game as well had a drop man he, he was just getting targeted son just the lines were holding him the whole game uh really calling him his back on passes um i like him in the spot against the chiefs man this total is massive biggest total on the week uh jesse james just lit up these chiefs last week for Five catches and over 100 yards and a touchdown. Caught all of his targets. Was running free most of the day. Obviously, the, they were paying attention to Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster plenty, but I, I like this spot for Kittle a ton, man. I like a bounce back here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the good thing is he kind of burned people last week. So if you're playing daily, you might get him at mm-hmm. more depressed than he otherwise should be. Because like you said, this total, this 56.5 point total, I mean, this is a game you should just stack and stack a lot, multiple lineups with this game stack. And speaking of that, we're going to talk about someone else from this game, and that's Sammy Watkins, who finally got off the mark last week. Now he has a great matchup. Like, you have to be on board this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Six catches, 100 yards last week, seven targets. Obviously, he was predicted to be pretty pretty sleepy in week one against the Chargers. Didn't disappoint there. Uh, Didn't put up money's numbers, so that that was predictable. But definitely bounced back last week. Uh, Patrick Patrick Mahomes actually uh, overshot him on a 39-yard touchdown, too, where he was literally, like, wide open and TJ Watts coverage somehow. So that was, like, one of Mahomes' rare misses. I like him a lot in this spot against the 49ers. Uh, Richard Sherman's just slow right now. Uh, Doesn't look right. He's 30 years old, coming with that torn Achilles. Uh, Akella Witherspoon on the other side has been beat a couple times. Marvin Jones was just running free last game over the top of this 49ers defense, but Stafford just couldn't hit him. And Kenny Kenny Galladay had a wide-open uh, touchdown that Stafford missed as well. I mean, Jones could have easily had 140 more yards and a couple more touchdowns last week, so I like Watkins a ton in this spot. And you mentioned that even – they left points on the board, the Lions. They still, all their wide receivers had good games. The 49ers mm-hmm. allowed five different receivers to score 14 or more fantasy points in two games. So five in two games. Like I, I like Sammy Watkins' chances. Rich and I, early in the podcast, we talked about Philip Lindsay. And kind of if you like Philip Lindsay a little bit, which both he and I do, the other side of that is you kind of have to dislike Royce Freeman a little bit this week, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not liking Freeman at all. Just watching like the games that the Broncos play, like, Lindsay just like runs circles around this Freeman guy. I mean, Freeman was picked way earlier. I mean, Lindsay wasn't even drafted, obviously, but Freeman picked way earlier in the draft. But this dude like runs is like a straight line kind of runner. Doesn't have much wiggle to him. Am I like reading that wrong, or is that was that him coming out of college? I mean, I don't watch a lot of college football, so tell me if I'm wrong on that. Is was that how he was in college? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that he was a solid, consistent producer that could create after contact just in a, in, but like you said, it's not going to be like a lot of wiggle. I, I don't think he's looked terrible, but like opportunities, it's definitely a concern right now. Yeah. He just kind of like plows head. I just like Lindsay so much more just, but this spot just isn't good going on the road against the Ravens. Uh, number six in run defense DBOA through two weeks, allowed the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. Uh, Freeman was out snapped by both Lindsay and Devonte Booker last week. Lucked into a one-yard touchdown at the goal line. Uh, I just Freeman's a total flex play, real low floor, boomer bust, touchdown or bust kind of guy. I, just, I don't like him here in this spot at all. Yeah, and I think you hit the most important point there is that they had a situation last week in which they were down most of the game and Booker played, excuse me, Freeman played the third most staffs behind Booker as well. Now they go on the road. They're pretty big road underdogs. Yeah, that's... Not yeah. a spot you want to target. Not a spot you want to target Royce Freeman. Finally, have to finish with Corey Davis, who has, for those of us who really liked Corey Davis, speaking of coming out of the draft, it was nice to see him get that number one usage the first two weeks. He hasn't done much with it. Now he goes to Jacksonville with Blaine Gabbert potentially as his quarterback. That's that's not a good spot, right? Yeah, I mean, he has 20, 20 targets on the year. That's top 20 in the league. But like you said, he's he's playing with Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert right now. These guys just aren't doing it on the field. Uh, I did love his stiff arm of Kareem Jackson last week. Uh, that was <laughs> awesome play on the sideline. He's getting the usage, like you said, just going to get, going up against Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye in this spot. It's, I don't like the Titans to go on the road to score many points here, so. Totally avoiding Davis this week, but I'm I'm all about him for the season if he's going to keep getting this usage. Yeah, and they didn't shadow last year, but it seems like with him clearly the number one receiver, he might even get shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey this week. Yeah, it's not looking great. Thanks right. as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Benzio. You can follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I am at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. And I at least will be back to talk to you next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.